You are Locked On Lakers. Your daily Los Angeles Lakers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Locked on Lakers for Tuesday. Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. Lots to get to today, Andy. First, I want to let people know that uh, NBA draft goat Chad Ford, Locked on NBA draft host Rafael Barlow, and Locked on NBA host John Corrales will be live this year covering the NBA draft. It's the Locked on NBA draft 2021 brought to you by Built Bar. Get local expert analysis on each pick and follow Locked on NBA on YouTube today to watch our live coverage on July 29th at 7 p.m. As long as 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, where we are, Andy, and as long as we're encouraging people, subscribe to us on YouTube as well. Locked on yeah. on YouTube. Do that. Yeah, you should do both, but I'm not going to tell you how to prioritize it. You can just infer whatever you want uh, from my tone, but you should definitely do both. Right. You can do one now. The other one, yes. you have to wait until the 29th. Yes. So do the one you can do now. Yeah. Pace yourself um, properly. We've been previewing and giving some uh, scouting reports on a lot of the guys that have been connected to the Lakers in mock drafts uh, as the draft comes around again on the 29th. And we had a really interesting interview today on Chris Duarte, uh, the the prospect from Oregon who is 742 years old in basketball years. He is an actual college senior, Andy. I know. A, a real live one of those. Um, I didn't know you were still allowed to do that. I didn't either. Uh, so we, uh, we have our, our scouting report of him that we'll bring to you uh, next, but... I want to start with the uh, the mailbag. We uh, we opened up the Locked On Lakers mailbag. Uh, the people can send us um, questions at Cam Brothers on Twitter. You can do it Brothers at gmail.com on email or by leaving a five-star review on the iTunes page. Just leave a question there, and we 100% will answer it for you um, if it comes with that five-star review. And um, this was, I thought, a really interesting one because it sort of frames the entire offseason. From Will Powell 4, do Dennis Schroeder, Montrez Harrell, and Kyle Kuzma make it through the offseason and start next season with the Lakers? Hmm. Um, it, it's an interesting question in part because I feel like if the Lakers have entire control over the situation and they're full druthers, the answer could be no. No, the answer is not only no, the answer is absolutely not. Yeah, I mean, the, the Lakers obviously want to try to upgrade as much as possible, and Kyle Kuzma would almost unquestionably be a part of any type of deal like that if for no other reason than the salary implications. Um, I am starting to get a sense uh, when you hear of these reports about Dennis Schroeder being a sign-and-trade possibility, that that's not entirely about what they could fetch in return for Schroeder. It's more about the ability to get off off Schroeder if possible and not be put in the situation where they have to bring him back, but they're not really pleased at the prospect. And Harrell, if he is back, that's entirely within his choice, but it's already pretty clear that he's not thrilled with this situation. And if he ends up opting in, Unless it's opting in to get traded, and that's something the Lakers worked out, it's largely because he recognizes he's got no better option economically. But boy, is he pissed at the prospect! Well, yeah, what, what I think is great about this question, and it actually relates, you know, the answers to these questions have a lot to do with who the Lakers end up drafting on the 29th. Is it somebody that you need to be able to play to fill a hole that has been left by somebody that they just traded, that uh, you know, left via free agency, whatever it might be? 
Kuz is actually the the guy in there that I'm sure they're fine having back. Like, is the least problematic potentially to welcome back. You know exactly how much he's going to make. He's right at that $13 million figure, which given how he played last year is a perfectly comfortable place for him to be. Um, you know, he played well defensively. He's grown into a more versatile player. The shooting got better. You know, we'd all love it if if Kuz was able to like consistently produce 15 to 18 a night. Doesn't seem like it's going to happen, but it's okay. You know, if you ask him, a little more right. consistency, uh, his role being a little more defined. No, I get it. I get it. I get it. But like, He's the one. Who Talk to the guy in charge, Brian. Trez, like you say, could be back, but probably doesn't want to be. Nope. Um, and uh, Schroeder, I think they would want to come back, but are really nervous about the amount of money that it would cost. Like, I, I think the answer to this question is no, but I cannot tell you which of those three guys is least likely to do it. I mean, I, I, ironically, I think to some degree, like Trez might be the one who is at least most likely to re-up with the Lakers. Like, I think he's, I think he's, there's a good chance he picks up that player option. Um, and then maybe it's with the understanding the Lakers trade him or maybe not. But at the very least for starters, that's the thing on this list that I'm probably most confident about is that Trez picks up that option. Yeah, I would say if I had if I had to put money on the guy least likely to be back, it's Kuzma only because the Lakers themselves have the most control over what happens That's with Kuzma. That's a good point. That's a good and, point. You know, and like you said, he his contract is reasonable and we know they're going to be looking to make moves and you know, with Schroeder, he's either going to be back or there's a sign and trade possibility, but sign and trades are difficult to do. And the Lakers- right, keeping in mind too, as we talked about earlier in the week, just to, 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 not to interrupt, but like it's more of a sign and trade where he goes out rather than the maybe, Lakers. Maybe, I, but sign and trade. maybe, but either way, they're complicated. complicated. And what the Lakers don't want to have happen, it, unless the money we're talking about is just absolutely outrageous to keep them, they don't want to lose Schroeder for nothing. And you know that prospect could end up what keeps what keeps him there. And like we talked about, Trez has the most immediate control about what happens with his future. So if I had to put money on one of them not being back or the least likely to back be back, it would be Kuzma. That being said, it would not shock me at all if all three of them are back. No, no. And it wouldn't, sh- it wouldn't shock me if all three were gone. And it wouldn't shock me if all three were back. It would be more shocking if all three are gone than all three are back. I'll tell you that well, much right I, Only because it would, the amount of moves that were required. But it, you know, yes. it would mean that they probably... Tre, you know, Trez opts in and has been traded somewhere else. Kuz is part of a deal. Like it just it means is much harder to make a trade. It is way harder to make all three disappear than it is to keep all three in the fold. It is all you way do more. Schroeder's easy to bring back. All you got to do is offer a big number, and he'll come back. Um, so yeah, in that regard. So great question, Will. Thank you very much for sending that in. Um, with Game Six on the horizon, Andy, this is an interesting question from. Uh, Aniket Mohan 24, and apologies if I'm if I'm mispronouncing your name. Who would you take in the last five minutes, Giannis or AD? Um, it's a bit of it's a bit of a difficult question to know without uh, having an idea of who the teammates are. Right. But I'm going to treat this as both of them are the number one options of their team. Like they're mm-hmm. the focal point of the respective offenses. With that in mind, to me, the answer is Giannis. 
because you need a guy that you can truly run an offense through um, in any position on the floor. And, you know, I'm treating this, I'm treating this as if there is a notable gap between whoever is the number two guy and Giannis or AD, again, just for the sake of framing this question before you start getting into like fictitious roster construction. Right. I mean, it's basically like, you know, which guy, I mean, I think at its core, this is one of those like, which guy do you just think has a more potentially dominant game and this and that, whatever. And I, I, when I saw this, I was like, the answer is obviously Giannis, especially with given what we've seen in the finals, Um, you know, his ability to sort of play downhill and the aggressiveness you, like you say, you can put the ball in his hands um, anywhere without him. Right, and he can find the other guys. Um, AD, who is a remarkably versatile big, still has to have the ball given to him. He doesn't yes. bring the ball up the floor in that way. No, he, he doesn't run full sets the right. way Giannis does. The the wild card here thing, and I think this is maybe part of what uh, what Anaket is getting at, is free throws. Yeah. The last five minutes of the game, now Davis was down last year with his free throw percentage. But overall, over the course of his career, has been an excellent free throw shooter. And what we've seen, though, the, the the kryptonite for Giannis, if he has it, is you can foul him at the end of games. Yeah. And he is not a great free throw shooter. And so the difference between the last five minutes of a game, you put the ball in Giannis's hands and he's always getting fouled and you're only getting 30, 40, 50, you know, low, you know, whatever uh, at the free throw line versus AD, who you can't do that to. I think is a sneaky factor to put in there. I think overall Giannis is the answer to that question, but that's where like the specific skill sets, in this case, the inability to be a good free throw shooter um, makes a difference. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. If AD is shooting 70%, 60, whatever, like he did this year, the answer is Giannis by a fair margin. Yeah, it's interesting though with Giannis because his free throw issues have become so magnified in the playoffs because this year in particular, they've been a lot worse and last year as well, mm-hmm. but on the whole, Giannis has not been a god-awful free-throw shooter. Yeah. Like The last few years, he's been in the 60s or the 70s, which would be perfectly acceptable. On his career, he's almost 72%. It's just been mm-hmm. specifically the last two years in the playoffs where he's really become a problem. That said, though, he's basically a coin flip. And if you're a coin flip guy, who can do everything else that Giannis can do, again, over the course of the last five minutes and everything you would need from a number one guy, I would still take Giannis, but you're correct. That is what ultimately makes you think and, about and I mean, I think I, I mean, In my head, I'm rewinding the tape in my head. I think I might have used like by a mile or something. Like the, it, No, I mean, it's not like, or in a walk or whatever I said. It's not like Giannis is light years, but I would take Giannis uh, in this situation over AD with the caveat that I would happily take both. Yeah. Um, all right, let's get to uh, Chris Duarte, our interview with Adam Chimeo to preview and give a scouting report of uh, Chris Duarte, one of the more interesting prospects of the NBA draft coming up on the 29th. We'll do that next. Locked on Lakers brought to you by rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes, models out there, it is impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. And why would you spend 30%, 50%, 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or a new car dealership anyway? 
dummy, where you can get it for far less at rockauto.com. Rock Auto always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing the prices based on the market like the airlines do. Don't get me started on the airlines. They are out of control. People act like savages on a plane anyway, so why give them your hard-earned money? rockauto.com. It's a family business serving auto park customers online for 20 years, whether it's for a classic or a daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car, your truck, right? Locked on in there. How did you hear us about us box? So they know we sent you amazing selection, reliable, low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com. All right, joining us right now, Andy, uh, in our last installment of the NBA draft previews, we discussed, uh, I think, one of the youngest guys in the draft. Um, now we are going to shift gears and discuss the guy who might be like the oldest. I'm not, I'm not sure, but he's on the older side of it. He is the five thing. years old. He yeah. is. <laughs> he's like Dennis Quaid in the rookie, but older. <laughs> a hell of a story. We're very excited. Um, it's very inspirational. Chris Duarte has, has become one of the more intriguing uh, prospects in the 2021 draft, uh, primarily because of his shooting and the general consensus that he could be a guy who can step in and help a rotation right away. And to talk about that, we are joined by Adam Chimeo. He is the managing editor at Addicted to Quack. That's the Oregon site uh, over at SB Nation. Also hosts the Quack 12 podcast. Adam, thanks so much for coming on. We appreciate it. Of course. I'm, I'm stoked to talk about this ancient player we got here. I, was, he's, <laughs> he's a rare thing. Like I thought an endangered species, something yeah. called a college senior uh -huh. Um, how, in, in all seriousness though, like it is so rare now to see guys who stay, um, you know, in school and, and, you know, are done as a college senior for his, what has his path kind of been to get him to this point now where he's projected to be an NBA, uh, you know, first rounder. Well, um, yeah, his path has been an interesting one because, well, he took the Juco route uh, to Oregon. So his first two seasons, I do believe he played for uh, Northwest Florida State College. Uh, he was born in uh, Puerto Plata, the Dominican Republic. And then um, I believe he did boarding school, his first two seasons in high school in at the uh, Redemption Christian Academy in Troy, New York. So he's, you know, he's taken quite the path to get to Oregon. Eventually, he did land on this team. And he Redemption had a Christian Academy sounds like where you send the really bad kids. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, he's, it yeah. makes him sound much more troubled than I, than I think he actually is. I agree. I don't know what he was redeeming himself of, but uh, I, he must have gotten that demon exercise because it's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. By his junior year, he was doing, uh, I, I mean, he really made a quick impression on this team, which was really spearheaded by Peyton Pritchard, another, you know, ancient, yeah. ancient player. Yeah. And um, that was really ramping up. He got injured for the last three games, I think, but they were saving him for the tournament, which inevitably, you know, was canceled. And uh, then this last season, he's, he's really taken the control over the whole team, really filled in for that Pritchard spot. You know, which is which is a big hole to leave because mm -hmm. he really was having a, a hell of a senior season, and Duarte matched up with that and and took him to a very strange, very Pac-12 filled NCAA uh, tournament run. That his yeah his his field goal percentages went up twelve. Uh, 12 points from 41 to 53 uh, from the field, junior year to senior year. And then his three-point percentage 
jump about 10 points from 33 to around 42, basically the same volume. From mm. what you saw, what accounted for, for those improvements, given that you know, he's not an inexperienced young player? Well, uh, and you know that maybe this will bode well for his, you know, his future pro career. Um, but it seemed like asking more responsibility of him was was just exactly what the man needed. When you look at when you look at him though, in the type of role that he plays, sort of piggybacking on what you just said there, do you think he, you know, he was, you know, main scoring component, took a lot of shots, all that kind of stuff, played a huge role in Oregon's offense this year. Mm-hmm. Um, is expected to be much more of a polished role player. I think you know uh, certainly early in his in his NBA career. Is that do you think going to be a, a tough adjustment for him? Uh, where where do you think he fits into a team next year? I think next year, you know, um, I, I think it would be maybe a little bit too bold to be like I think he can crack a starting roster. Most of these starting rosters, but I think as far as a, a role player. Uh, I, I think he he is someone that you can plug and play right now. I mean, he's he sh- shot well uh, from three point. Like as you said, he, he took a huge jump there. I, I believe he ended that season like forty two point four percent on five. All the nose. Yeah, yeah, I believe, yeah, on 5.5 attempts per game. Obviously, I got notes. Um, but not only that, but I, I think it's just the idea, and especially, I mean, you guys hit me up, the idea of him playing with the, with the kind of talent that the Lakers has, that really just sparked me up because the idea of him, you know, playing with the ball, but with almost the mentality of off the ball, like making plays for his play uh, mm-hmm. all the playmakers on that team and then not only that but getting himself in a position when he doesn't have the ball to the place where he needs to be to and, and taking the shot if it is open for him like he's not afraid he was the man who was leading like so many of these comebacks that we had this last season last two seasons hitting the like clutch shots to win it in all these close games against Elite a talent, uh, elite talent in the uh, Pac-12 this last season. I mean, yeah, I, I think he's definitely someone who can, who on the right roster can really like this next season, uh, be someone that fans are loving. Getting a little bit more specific with him as a scorer, what what do you consider his strengths as a scorer? The things that he does well, and then what are some of the areas where he's either weaker or you think could improve, but it's just not quite there yet. Well, uh, he's definitely just one of those guys where it's just like the footwork and the fundamentals are just so like solidly there. That is such a strength of his. A weakness will always be that he isn't quite that like elite athleticism, you know, that would have made it that he, you know, I, I guess got um, not only like picked up by a, a power program quicker and, and drafted sooner. Uh, he doesn't quite possess that amount of talent. However, the fundamentals are there. His, his ability to make plays uh, uh, is that is his absolute strength is that he is a playmaker. And I think even in the NBA, he'll be able to make his own shot, but probably more importantly, make shots for others. I, and I, yeah, I, that's what I was going to actually ask when you said a playmaker, because I, I haven't seen as much described in terms of him setting up other people. It's just more about him being able to create his own shot or him being mm-hmm. able to score. Is he actually capable of setting up teammates, stuff like that? I think so, especially with this last season, which was really like uh, it, it was 
LJ Figueroa, Yuji Nomurui, and Chris Duarte were the, really the three-headed monster. And they were constantly, it was just the attack from those three and constantly helping each other out with the unselfish play between those three is how Oregon got its success uh, th this last season. And so, and I believe he's not the, he's the kind of player that would easily be willing to take a role where, you know, first looking to set someone up. Mm -hmm. And I think the, his ability to do both is really what people has got people very excited for him. When when you look at the, uh, the sort of the, the package here defensively, and you mm -hmm. kind of alluded to it with the quickness. Is he good enough to be able to stay on the floor again? You look at the, the team like the Lakers. Mm -hmm. You you have to defend at a certain threshold, or Frank Vogel will not put you on the floor. Is he good enough on that end of the floor to be able to play? I I do think he's good enough. Um, especially because Dana Altman, uh, the way his teams are constructed are so, I mean, they're very often known for their offense, but I mean, it's all centered around that defense and just like suffocating the other team, getting the turnovers and such. So I think, and, and it's one of the reasons why they do so much better and like consistently Dana Altman's teams do so much better later in the season is because the, the players are really learning it. Uh, and it takes that amount of time, like just uh, something you can set your watch on. And so I think him being in the program for the last two seasons, I think he's a smart guy. And I think that will make up enough of his uh, for his physical weaknesses that I think he will be able to to stay on the court with his defense. Uh, you know, I think mainly he'll be there for his offense, but I don't think his defense will will get him benched. Last thing for you, Adam, like the, the he's a guy who kind of bounces around um the the draft boards the mock drafts is he the type of guy that just would shine and do better on a good team a playoff caliber team like the lakers a team that has aspirations um rather than you know going to a you know some lousy lottery team does he have more value to good teams uh, i couldn't agree with that more like this for him it's exactly his strengths right now that if he gets in there with a a system that's already in place he's going to he's really going to dedicate himself learn that system he's shown that he can um and, and i i think with his it just matches perfectly with the ceiling and his floor that mm -hmm. he would just be the perfect uh accent to uh, to, to a team you know it, it would just i i really do believe that as opposed to some you know, coming up team or, or something like that. Awesome. That makes a ton of sense um, and, mm -hmm. and fits a kind of a profile. Yeah. And the Lakers have a really interesting decision to make. So we'll see what they do or if the guy's even available when they get there at 22. Adam yeah. Chimeo, he is the managing editor at Addicted to Quack. Um, as you can tell, uh, if you're watching on YouTube, that is uh, Oregon. Yes. <laughs> of the Quack 12 podcast. Thanks so much, man, for coming the on. Ducks. This is great. We appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks a lot, you guys. Yeah. Uh, you know, the last, uh, I'd say, LA brothers that I've really had to deal with are the Mobley brothers. So it was a nicer interaction <laughs> here. Well, it was awesome. more pleasant. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Locked on Lakers brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online, the fastest, easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season's in full swing. You can track all the action at Bet Online. This week, as always, tons of sports action on the go. Get all the latest news, odds, info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, UFC, MMA. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop, your mobile device. Check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get 
into the game as your teams are neck deep in the playoffs. Head to the website, use your mobile device, sign up today, receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using the promo code Locked On. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right. Thanks again to uh, Adam Chimeo, uh for joining us. I think it's it's really interesting to me, Andy, that we went we went from Jaden Springer, basically one of the youngest prospects in this draft, to Chris Duarte, one of the oldest prospects in this draft, because um, it, it speaks in. And Springer, there are people, you know, when we talk to Eric Kane from Locked On Vols, he thinks Springer could play next year. Yeah, but. And he said he's actually a mature kid for his age. And no question. Jalen Horton Tucker was mature, and they drafted him extremely young. It's, but that said, I mean, the consensus, and I don't, I don't, neither one of us claim to be the, you know, draft Knicks, and we, we've seen these guys and scouts breaking down. I, I'm, t- I'm aggregating what I'm reading. Yeah. The, 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 uh, the consensus seems to be that Duarte is among the more NBA ready players that you can find in this draft. Um, and you know, John Hollinger, a couple other people I've noticed said, like, if he were he a free agent, people would sign him to be, you know, a sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth guy in a rotation at a, like a seven or eight, nine million dollar deal or something. This he's is already like a mid level exception guy, kind of right. That's, <laughs> that's and, interesting, and, and I think that is fascinating because people underestimate how important that is. And if you look at the Lakers this year. Not having consistency three through seven, you know, four through eight, depending on who was hurt at a given time, was a massive problem, you know, for, for the for the Lakers over the course of the season. And, you know, again, it's exacerbated by injuries. It's hard to tell exactly what's going on. But stability in that four through seven spot for a contending team is so important. Look at Pat Connaughton and like how valuable he's become over the over the um over the course of the finals or guys like Jay Crowder or, you know, Cam, you know, Cam Johnson over the course of the playoffs has had like those guys are really important in, in the playoffs for good teams if they want to go deep. Yeah. I mean, sometimes those role guys are the difference between, you know, getting to the finals, winning a championship or not. And today on the road to the finals, our NBA playoffs coverage brought to you by Nicola Boltra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And at (laughs) 2.6 carbs, 95 calories, we can all, Enjoy the games a little more this season. This is what with I do, that, Brian. With that mailbag segment beginning, we had pre-recorded something for the. No, I, I wasn't sure when you were going to do it, Andy. But bam, there you go. No, it it's, really, look, doing it in the first segment. I mean, that's that's for the faint of heart. I'm not. I'm not no, doing no, it then. No. no Where's on. the challenge in that? No, there isn't. Um, it, I am. Uh, I the, the the problem is obviously if Duarte doesn't hit you know the high floor if it turns out like he's considered a lower ceiling higher floor guy if the floor is actually lower then you've got the worst of all worlds here you get somebody who isn't really capable of playing and contributing and all that and isn't going to get better (laughs) (laughs) so whereas like springer trey man um you know some of these other guys that we we're going to profile uh before the draft Okay, they're not ready year one, but you can look at year two, year three, and it's not ideal. It's not maybe what the Lakers need, or maybe you can plan around that with free agency if you think you have a pretty good idea. To go back to that mailbag question from the beginning of the show, if you have a pretty good idea, you're the Lakers, of what the answer to that question about which one of the who of these guys is going to be back or what can you do with them. And these conversations are happening just because they're not being publicized in the playoffs doesn't mean they're not happening. If you have a good answer, it's like maybe you can uh, take a 
take a guy with the needs a little bit more time. But man, it, it on the outside looking in, a guy who can come in and play right away and was a 43% three-point shooter in college seems like a nice fit. I, I feel pretty strongly that unless you're talking about a guy whose upside at 22 is so high, like so unexpectedly high, because typically those guys are gone by then, unless you're talking about just an insane project, like somebody that you're, you know, you're drafting because he's three years away from being three years away, you know, whatever, whatever that line was. Uh, Bruno Caboclo. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like for this particular team and what they're trying to do in the mode they're in right now and you know, this last season was a reminder that as great as LeBron is, he ain't getting any younger. And your opportunities with him, they're not expanding as much as LeBron recently said. He might play until he's in his 40s or whatever. You got to treat this with urgency. And I don't think that they can use a roster spot on somebody that the likelihood of putting on the floor mm-hmm. is pretty low. You yeah. know, they need they need somebody who can be a credible ninth through 11th man. And that sounds like, based off what Adam told us and based off what both of us have been reading, that Chris Duarte could be that guy. Absolutely. One of the things that's interesting about him, and and I I would love to learn more about him, especially if the Lakers end up taking him, the route that he's had to the NBA, you know, from the Dominican Mm -hmm. Republic to this high school in New York, and his family moved him specifically for basketball to a JUCO, to, to Oregon, to entering the draft late. It's an unusual path, but you also wonder if it's one that that hardens a guy in a good way. Like you, like you really start recognizing like yeah. the urgency of opportunity sure. and, and just how much better you have to be, how, you know, how little time you have to waste anything in front of you. Like the JUCO that he went to, Brian, I had no idea that's a school. I'd never heard of that. No, that I, I hadn't either. And like Northern Western like was just Florida attaching State. words together. Like yeah, a, I mean, that, that was like, like a word salad words that appear in a column. The only thing I didn't hear in there was A and T. Yeah, <laughs> that, that was a word soup, a word salad of colleges. And I'm like that. That's I, you, you know, it's it, you're right, and I think you know there is a tendency, and I'm not saying that this is what's happening here, and I'm not like all in on Chris Duarte. I don't, I don't know these people from Adam. Um, it is a reminder, though, that we do sometimes overstate the ceiling, overstate the upside, overstate, the, and, and kind of just be like, you know what, that guy can play. Like, he's just a good basketball player. Larry Nance is just a good basketball player. That's Well, and, that's one of the things that I think, you know, the Lakers, for the success that they've had drafting late in the first round or sometimes in the second, with, with the exception of a guy like Talon Horton Tucker, who they knowingly took at a very young age. Right. That he'd have to be polished, although I, if I'm guessing that he's come along quicker than I they think expected. He's come along quicker, but I think they thought they. I think they knew this. You know, he Taylor Horton Tucker was the body equivalent of the age bias, where you look right. at it and say like, you know, like people looked physically looked at, at THT and said that's not going to work. Whereas the Lakers said, yeah, but he can play and he can grow into a better body and all that stuff. Look, and he's got arms that are 17 miles long. But, but by and large, I think the reason the Lakers have managed to draft really well in, in the late in the first round is guys like Kuz, Larry Nance Jr., Josh Hart. These are guys that were very easy to tell who they were in the NBA, what type of players they are. To their credit, I think all of them have gotten better since the point the Lakers drafted them. But you know, they were three or four years in college. They were fairly well-developed guys, and all of them, I think, if they had been drafted, but you know, 
the Lakers were one of those teams drafting late in the first that was nowhere near competing in the playoffs. But if they had been taken by a typical team drafting, you know, in the 20s, 30s, that had playoff aspirations, I think all of those guys could have had a role they on a playoff been. team as yeah. a rookie. And I think yeah, the Lakers and, are good and, at identifying yeah. that. And again, lower, lower ceiling, but higher floor. And floor mm-hmm. matters. Floor is very important. Floor is very important for teams like the Lakers. Um, yeah. No question about it. All right. So uh, we're going to keep going with this. Jared Butler, who's kind of in this vein, uh, good shooter, old, slightly older player, not as old as Duarte, but older compared to some it's of the other guys in the draft. So we'll be uh, talking about him next and some other guys through the pipeline, getting everybody ready for the draft. Again, reminder, subscribe to Locked on Lakers on YouTube um, and never miss a show, never miss some of the exclusive content that we'll be have going up there, especially as we roll into free agency and the draft. Um, and thanks, everybody. Thanks again to Adam Chimeo, and uh, we'll see everybody tomorrow.